are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. The 2-2. That's a pop-up on the infield. Who wants it? Schmidt hustling in from third, and he dropped it. And then Judas picked it up and threw it away. Oh, my goodness. Betts is going to... Now the Dodgers will have two at third. Yastrzemski throws to Crawford. They've got Mookie in a rundown. They're going to throw home. Patrick Bailey will flip to Junis, who tags out Bush. Betts ends up at third, and that's one of the craziest plays in the history of the game. Oh, my goodness. The Giants got bailed out. Uh, Casey Schmidt dropped the pop-up, and then all hell broke loose. Hello there, and this is uh, welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky for episode 62 of the podcast. Shasky, did you know that Mike Yastrzemski has attempted 21 stolen bases in his career and has uh, successfully stolen 13 of them? That is good for a wait for it. 62% 62% success rate. <laughs> I love that. 62. I <laughs> like that. The year I love it when the Giants come together. <laughs> the year after the Giants faced the Yankees in the uh, famous World Series, correct? Uh, no, that was the year that the Giants faced the Yankees in the World Series. Yeah, that was um, Bobby Richardson catching Willie McCovey's line drive to end it. That was a dark day for Giants fans. Not that I would remember. I wasn't there for it. But uh, speaking of Mike Yastrzemski, we played those two highlights coming in. A lot of fun Mike Yastrzemski moments. Uh, he had that he, – he, he got that up – sorry. When Judas threw that ball away on Friday night, he's the one who got the ball and very wisely went back into the infield, make the runners kind of pick something that they're going to do before getting it back into the infield, and eventually they were able to get pushed down on that rundown. And then, of course, last night – we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday by the way, uh, City Connect Tuesday – where uh, the night after the more the day after Mike Yastrzemski hit that walk-off home run against the Padres, he had uh, two other runs that night too. Just a big Mike Yastrzemski game last night. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mike Yastrzemski. It's interesting. You said to me in the green room this morning before we were getting ready for the show, could he be a byproduct of someone who's seen? you know, more open spaces because of the lack of shifting. And I found that to be an interesting concept because, you know, one of the things I think of a lot is like when you're a lefty, all right, and guys get on base in front of you, that first baseman has to hold on to that runner. And Mm -hmm. because of that, it does open up the space for you and it allows a lefty to be able to pull the ball into a wider gap. Compound that with guys in front of him getting on base this year. A lot of them, right? It does. Mm -hmm. feels like guys ahead of Yaz have gotten on base and the no shift. So I don't think it's just one. I, I think it's both of those things. And as well, he feels healthier. Now, he hurt his groin earlier in Mexico, um, and I was really worried that might be the end of his particular productive season. And boy, was I wrong. He's had a really nice bounce back year, just solid across the board. And now you throw him in right field defensively with Matos, and we'll get to him in a second, playing center field. I mean, Dare I say, we're looking at a guy who could be the answer in right field for the time being? Yeah, I mean, the the Giants, they really do like Mike Yastrzemski a lot. He really kind of fits the ethos of what they look for in this team. He he has been a great clubhouse leader ever since since he got here. And yeah, as to what you're saying with the shift, the 
the results have been huge. You know, in 2019, 2020, they were not shifting on him that much. I think there was like, down on the stats off the top of my head, like 48 to 50% of his at-bats, they were shifting on him. And then in 21 and 22, all of a sudden they were going shift crazy. I think it was like 70% of the time they're shifting on him the last two years. Now you can't shift. It opens things up. And when you're getting hits the fall like that, you're going to become a much more confident yeah. hitter. And you're seeing it. He looks so dialed in at the plate. When you have that confidence, when you have that belief in yourself, it makes it a lot easier to do things like he did last night where he had that home run that kind of got the Giants back in the game. He scored that run. Did he have the, yeah. he had the, the tying run in the, in the ninth inning, or didn't he? Um, yeah, on, on the Patrick Bailey sack fly. Yeah, and then he hits the walk-off. And like you're Great watching spot. him, you're watching him dig into the plate. You're just like, oh, I could totally see him hitting a home run right here. And that's the same thing I remember thinking when he dug into the plate in St. Louis a couple weeks ago. Like, he's getting almost automatic with these. And yeah. so, Mike Eschrimsey, the, the the career revival we've seen from him this year, it's been incredible. Part of it, I think, it's also because of how they use him as well. Interesting. Really, just they, him and Slater in that platoon, keeping Yaz going against right-handed hitters, he's hitting, like, over almost 300 against right-handed hitters. And so, when you're the Giants, they're putting him in positions to succeed. And the field is really set up for him to kind of jump on that success and really see it expand. And yeah, it's, it's all adds up to a really incredible uh, revival from Mike Kostremski. Wouldn't you also agree similar to Brandon belt that he's been kind of miscast as a middle of the order guy. I know he batted five yesterday, but that was because of the lineup and, and who they were going up against after basically seven straight days with no day off um, him batting in like the sixth and the seven hole on certain days. Don't you think that only helps him like I, not I being a three, four, yeah. five guy. I agree. And the Giants, they have a long, dreadful history of miscasting guys yeah. in the wrong spot in the lineup. Remember when we put Benji Molina in the cleanup spot? And yes. How about Ray Durham as the opening day yes. uh, cleanup hitter? We all were okay with that. Yes. But yeah, Yaz, I don't think he's a top of the hitter, uh, top of the order guy. We've talked about him last year. He's the fourth outfielder on a championship team. I think this year he's showing that fourth, maybe he could be a third outfielder on a championship yeah. team. But he's definitely a guy, I think, when you're putting him in the six to nine spots of the lineup, that's probably a better place for him to be. Just yeah. He does have power, but I always see him as more of a contact first guy. Yeah. And yeah, when you don't put that expectations of being in the top of the lineup, that table setter position, it, I think I do agree. It, it works better for Yaz uh, when he's in those situations. One thing that was really working this weekend, though, Shasky, was whatever the Giants were doing against the Dodgers in L.A., literally every single aspect of this weekend was so fun to watch. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, there was. I don't even know what you call that play on Friday night when Junis airmails it and you're thinking, oh my God, there's no way they're going to screw this up <laughs> like this. It was just like, come on, like all those good feelings you had were going to be gone. And then the Dodgers just forget how to base run for a little while. That came in, you know, two innings after Mookie Betts tried to steal third on Patrick Bailey, which, you know, heads up Major League Baseball, don't go running on Patrick Bailey. That is a big mistake. Shassi coming out of that weekend and then going into that walk off last night. If John, if, if the last four games, forget the whole uh -huh. eight-game winning streak, the last four games, if they were to send a message to Major League Baseball, what do you think is the message that these last four wins have, have sent the rest of the league? That's an interesting question. What would the message be? I think the message is don't count us out, and we've got one of the better bullpens in the National League. I mean, you've seen the Dodgers, the Cardinals. We saw the Padres yesterday. Um, we've had a good look at a lot of teams. We even saw Arizona um, uh, for a small little jaunt in Arizona mm -hmm. earlier this year. We get them again this weekend. It does feel like to me, if you just stack up who they faced, they have an elite bullpen. And I think they that's do. a weapon into itself. The great San Francisco Giants teams over the last 20 years have had great bullpens. 
What they also are, are a team that needs a starting pitcher. And I also think offensively, they're diverse. You've got guys like Casey Schmidt who swing out of their shoes. You've got guys like Lamont Wade Jr. and Luis Matos who are going to grind in at bat, have great batter discipline and batter eyes. Um, you've got guys like Conforto who if you miss a spot, he's going to jump all over it. Like I look at their everyday lineup. They've got great diversity, and now they're implementing small ball? Like, what? So, to <laughs> me, they're a very well-rounded team, and quietly, this is one of the better Giants defenses I can remember in the last 10 years. And the reason I say that, Bailey up the middle strong, Crawford's still good. You know, I think Schmidt might be a little better defensively shortstop. J.D. Davis has been awesome at third. Oh, Estrada is the number one or number two guy at second base in terms of defensive metrics. Lamont Wade, is anyone missing Brandon Belt at first base? Because Lamont's looked pretty good. You put Matos out in center field, defensively, he looks elite. Conforto in left? How many teams would love to have Michael Conforto in left field for them defensively? And then you put Yaz, who has, I believe, he has gold glove potential. I'm not saying he is a gold glover, but... He could Plus be defender out there. Yeah. Exactly. And Name think, the hole defensively. You tell me, like Conforto really is your weakest no. defender. I mean, you, yeah, you can make the argument for Conforto. I mean, I think I said this on a couple episodes ago. When you look at the at the infield defensively, Brandon Crawford, the multiple time Gold Glove winner, <laughs> one of the best defensive shortstops in the 140 year history of Giants baseball, he might be your worst defender that's, in the infield right now. I, which that's not a knock on that. Crawford as much as it is just the Giants yes. have five stupid yes. good defenders right now. So yeah, you're right. The defense is absolutely the message. Like the do you will not be able to like the Giants. They don't play soccer with the baseball no. anymore like they did last year i think another message it sends is i'm gonna be honest shasky i've been kind of wavering on going here with this what i think this is a playoff team uh, like i've been kind of hesitant to say it. Uh, I don't, i'm not saying definitively i'm okay. saying i think this is a playoff team okay. i think the message they showed is that we're gonna be in this thing we might not make the playoffs but we're gonna be in a mix we're gonna be a team that you're gonna have to deal with and another reason why i'm maybe getting kind of more bullish on them being a playoff team. I'm not officially declaring them one yet, but you look around the national league, Shasky, the rest of the national league is garbage. No, it I is. Mean, you got, I mean, the Dimebacks in, in the, in the, in the Braves are setting the standard right now. Yeah. They're probably going to be your top two teams in the national league. They're going to be the ones to get the buy. The NL central is absolute gobbledygook right now. The reds, they're having a lot of fun. Ellie De La Cruz, ever since he called up the reds are 10 and two, and they've barnstormed yeah. into first base. I don't know if I'm willing to believe in the Reds just yet as being legit, but no one in the NL Central is running away with anything, which means that no one in the NL Central is in the wild card discussion. You look at the wild card discussion, which is probably where the, the Giants are going to be. The Dodgers are going to be in there. Yes. The Marlins, they're holding up there. I don't know how serious you want to take the Marlins right now, but for now, they're legit. No, I think they're legit. They're 70 yeah. games in. I think they're they're in the mix. And then you got the Phillies who are just... I hate I, I hate saying flukes in baseball. But last year, that Phillies team, they got hot at the right time and barnstormed their way to, the, to a World Series that you knew they weren't going to win. And I, I told this to you at the beginning of the year. We were having an argument about, you know, would you want to be the Phillies right now? And I said, would you be shocked if last year was the peak of this current Phillies core? I'm not saying that's absolutely going to be it. But right now, look at the Phillies. They are not anywhere near as good as I think a lot of people no. expected them to be. Shasky, part of the reason why this is such a great playoff team is there's just not a whole lot of competition. Well, you got six spots and probably – four or five other teams competing for those six spots outside of Colorado. Everyone's still alive in the NL West. This is the toughest division in baseball outside of the AL East. Mm -hmm. At least it feels like that to me. I don't know what you think. They've got, I think four teams with a plus differential when it comes to run differential Four or five. Yeah. But Braves, Dimebacks, Dodgers, Giants, and 
I think either the the Padres or Reds might be sneaking up yeah. there, but we all believe yeah. the Reds are going to, uh, you know, at some point fade away. But but they're a great story as well. Mm-hmm. Like I do believe Arizona's going to be here the long haul. The Giants, I think, are going to be in the mix. The Dodgers aren't going away. They're going to make moves. There's no doubt about it. And the Padres, I know we want to write them off. They'll be hovering around 500 all year. So that's four teams in your own division, including yourself, right? The four teams. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really difficult. So we're only 70 games in. They don't have any starting pitching right now. There are injuries galore. It's not the end of the world. They're on a great stretch right now. I don't think they're as good as their record currently, but I'm having a hell of a lot of fun rooting for them. I think they're probably three to six games over 500. Like when it's all said and done. And to me, that'll be an awesome season. Well, just based off run differential and expected win loss, uh, the Giants, I believe they're, they're playing. They're they expected win loss right Right, their expected win loss record right now is forty one and thirty one. I believe they're forty and thirty two right now. So they're playing pretty close to their their expected win loss. But if you look at run differential, they're playing at a ninety two win pace right now. Shasky, that so, feels unsustainable. Is that yeah? How sustainable? How close do you think they get? I've pegged them as like an eighty three to eighty four win team. I agree with you. I'm willing to up that maybe to like an eighty six eighty seven. It this is where I think the the struggle comes in. I think the other message that we we need to kind of think about with the Giants is that. When it comes to the young guys, there's going to be times like right now where they're going to be barnstorming all over other teams. Well, I said Casey Schmidt's plateaued. Schmidt's plateaued. Bailey looks legit. Again, like yes. I already said, don't go yes. running on him. Yes. Matos is injecting energy. Um, again, you, we had you know, Farhan Zaidi join Willard and Dibs on Friday, and he talked about how the young guys, the way they inject energy because they take away from the grind of the regular season, how yeah. that loosens up the rest of the clubhouse. So I guess one last message maybe you could take away from the Giants right now is we're a fun team. Yeah, like they're letting baseball know we're having fun. We are not grinding like we were last year. There is no frustration. There is no weight of expectation. The expectation is go out, have fun, have a good time. And hey, if you win some baseball games in the process, so be it. When was the last time coming out of a Dodger series you felt like, hey, we might have more young talent than them? It's been a while. And <laughs> I mean, it's been forever. Definitively, we kicked the ever living S, you know what, out of the Dodgers this weekend. And it felt great. And then you had 35,000 really on a Monday night against the Padres in a comeback victory. It feels like the community is starting to embrace this Giants team and love them again. I guess, yeah, one last message is yeah, the Giants, like, are they back? Uh, I mean, 2021 was a lot of fun, but I think 2021 was more of. You know, one last gas for the core, Posey, Bum, Here's my hashtag. Posey, Crawford, Belt, and we're in a system that you doing a system that that works, but maybe not for that group long term. This year feels like, hey, what we did in 21, we're applying it on a more long term base, on more of a long term basis. And what you're seeing this team do right now, the energy, the excitement, the joy, that could very well be the new norm here on the shores of McCovey Cove. Instead of hashtag we're in this together or, you know, forever giant. What, what's this year's slogan? Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Here, here's the slogan. Has there it been took anything a, like this season? No, no, no. no. It, it took a minute, <laughs> but it's coming around. It took a minute. I mean, that's the thing right there. It took a minute. That's the Farhan Zaidi slogan, if anything. (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lovin and Joe Chassie coming at you every week with the best Giants content. Make sure you're liking, reviewing, subscribing, all those things, because we love talking Giants baseball. We love talking Giants baseball with you. Chassie, I want to play a fun little game here uh, in the second segment of ours. It's, uh, It's a pretty simple game. It's called, if it's stupid and it works, is it still stupid? 
Now, the reason I brought I, I wanted to play this game is because there's a lot of things that the Giants do to win baseball games that I don't think are truly accepted yet by certain sects of the Giants fan base. The more old school, traditional. I think about Papa Shasky. I know he's a big traditionalist. Yes. You, you've been a big traditionalist in a lot of features as well. I know you're trying to get into the nerd stuff, but I know that you're not fully there. It's not Giants fans aren't. It's new. It's different. It's not what we're used to. But some of the things the Giants are doing, while they may seem different or weird or, for lack of a better word, stupid, and I'm not saying what the Giants are doing is stupid. I'm just simply going with the phrase here. Some of these things are working. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to throw some stuff at you, and you tell me that even though it's stupid, is it still working? Ready for this? Okay. All right. So the first thing, uh, Grant Brisby wrote a really cool thing in The Athletic on Friday about how gents are using their bullpen. You've been talking a lot about how you're kind of concerned about the workload of the bullpen. We asked Dave Fleming about it today on the morning roast, and Fleming's comment was just like, you know, no one's really being overworked. I understand the concern, but no one's really gassed. So I want to throw some numbers at you, Shasky. So first off, the bullpen has thrown a lot of innings this year. Before last night, they've thrown 289 innings, which is fourth in Major League Baseball. A lot of innings, that's a lot of workload. Probably doesn't sound very good. The bullpen's also throwing a lot of pitches. 4,728, which is fifth in baseball. But here's where it gets really, really interesting. The Giants' bullpen may be working a lot of innings, and they may be throwing a lot of pitches, but they're being very efficient with pitches. Now, the Giants' bullpen is averaging 16.4 pitches per inning, which is third best in baseball. It's not so a lot. So the bullpen has got a lot of a workload on the surface. Overall, they're not being overworked that much. And so when you don't have an overworked bullpen, it makes it a lot easier to do, have take a starter out after five innings. You know, we outside of Logan Webb, these guys aren't really going deep. Cobb's been going deep as well, too. But, you know, guys like Alex Wood or, you know, when Shamanaya was starting, Anthony DiScalfani, sometimes it's a struggle getting him to go deep. I know we like seeing pitchers go deep into games, but the Giants have a bullpen that's not being very overworked right now. So the fact that the Giants are able to get such efficiency from the bullpen is helping them win games. Shasky, even though it sounds stupid to rely so much on the bullpen, is this working? It is working. Is it sustainable is the question that I have as a follow-up. I don't know. You know, you typically, the way you build a team out is your starters are your better pitchers and your bullpen are guys that couldn't be starters. And so when you have them make a ton of appearances, not only are you flirting with danger and exposure, but other teams get a better scouting report on them. And then eventually they regress back to their means, meaning why they were niche bullpen arms to begin with. I think that they have an elite bullpen. But they desperately need, like right now, they have Logan Webb going five innings every single start. That's what he's done this year. Seven innings, eight times, which is uh, tied for Major League lead right now. And then who else? Yeah. Who Alex, else is going five inning? Yeah, Alex Cobb has been able to go deep he's hurt. every now and then. He is hurt right now. But yeah, the rest of the, the rotation, yeah, they don't go very deep into games. now. So they need every- one other guy. They need one other guy to step up. And that's where I'm asking. Alex Wood, it feels... Like I'm asking a lot from him to go five full. It's Di Scafani. When Di Scafani yeah. was good for 2021, he was a hog. He hasn't been good long enough. He had the one, you know, maybe five week stretch at the beginning of the year this year, but he's been very inconsistent. Tonight is a huge start for him. Absolutely, I agree. In regards to the bullpen getting gas, though, I do think that is a fair a fair concern to have, especially early on when they're throwing so much. You don't know if the efficiency is going to hold there, but. Couple guys who are making this a lot easier, though, 
or Sean Manai and Jacob Junis. Yeah. They've been the bolt guys in a lot of these bullpen games. And again, you see all the innings the bullpen's thrown. You've seen all the pitches the bullpen's thrown. A big part of that is because they're using Manaya and Junis out of the bullpen. They're stripling as well as at times when he comes back. But Sean Manaya, I just want to point out his last seven appearances, 23 innings pitched. He's holding hitters to 198. Yeah, uh, that's all out of the bullpen. A lot of it is in bullpen games where he is the bulk innings guy. And, you know, the way the Giants utilize Manaya, the way they utilize Junis, they space them out in a way where even though they're coming out of the bullpen, they're almost being used as starters based yeah. on the amount of day off they get. So, again, I do encourage everyone listening to go check out that article that Brisby wrote in The Athletic. He goes way more into detail on it in terms of just how the Giants and the way they're spacing out bullpen usage and getting such efficiency out it out of it to where even though the workload looks like it is a lot, under the surface, they're actually doing a really good job, I think, of, of balancing things out here. John Brevia, who's hurt right now, was awesome. Like, just straight up awesome. I mean, think of how far we've come. At the end of last year, everybody was ready to run him out of town. He's the one who showed up, Kapler! <laughs> and then this year, he looks amazing. So, uh, it sucks that he's hurt right now, but he's been spectacular. And I think at the other end of the spectrum, not a starter or, you know, whatever they call it, the, you know, the... The, the what's, bolt what's, guy? Yeah, you got a closer in Camilo Duvall who's dynamic. He might be the yeah. best weapon in baseball right now. Absolutely. You know, and I'm really glad you brought up Brebia because that actually sets up a very easy transition to the next stupid, but it works. It's the opener. The opener has been opener. dragged through the mud so much ever since the Rays debuted it back in 2018. And then it got dragged even more through the mud when the A's tried to use it in the playoffs. Giants fans scowled at it. I remember when uh, Farhan was hired and they were talking about the prospect of using an opener. Uh, Jeff Smarja was very against it. He's like, I don't, I don't want someone taking my starts. I want to start these games. Uh, that was at a time when Smarja had a career 501 ERA in the first <laughs> inning. So Shasky, the opener's gotten a lot of negative attention. It's, it's looked on, it's looked down upon by traditional baseball fans. The Giants before last night were six and three in games in which they used the opener. Now they're seven and three. They had a 2.85 ERA in those games, holding hitters to a 2.14 batting average and a 6.14 on base percentage. Based on that, the opener, not the sexiest strategy, not the coolest strategy. It might be a stupid strategy. Is it working? I think it is. I think it is. But I much rather prefer a Logan Webb start. Oh, absolutely. I don't think it's when you're using an opener every five games. I think that gets a little concerning, which is yes. kind of what the Giants are. To me, it's a once every right seven now. to ten games. Yeah, you don't want to rely. I do. I don't really like that. They're relying on it as much as yeah. they kind of have to. Um, but they're kind of forced to right now. Uh, I agree. Point. And I agree. Even they're, they're losing like the, 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 the starting pitching injuries have gotten so bad that even their openings, uh, their openers are getting hurt. Brevia out for two months. That's going to be a huge bummer. Scott Alexander, when he comes back, I don't think his absence will be as long. He'll probably be the primary opener. Uh, they tried Ryan Walker with it last night. I was a little concerned. You really like Ryan Walker. Huh? I do like Ryan Walker. I think he's got great stuff. Um, the thing is, and this is something I kind of talked about with Fleming one time, he's only got the two pitches, so he really has to be able to nail those two pitches. And if he doesn't have them working, that can be a struggle. Putting him in that opener position last night, I thought that was a big ask of the kid. And a little rough. You know, he gave up the home run to, to Soto. But, I mean, if that's the one dark mark you have on on uh, on your outing, oh, you gave up a home run to Juan Soto. The exactly. Not quite Ted Williams comp. Uh, I guess you can look the other way on that. Right now, yeah, Ryan Walker, he might have to be the opener. It's going to be a tough ask for him. I hope he can hold up and, and handle it because 
the Giants, yeah, unfortunately, they're going to have to be a little more reliant on the opener because all indications right now that they don't really have a plan to move Shamanaya back into the starting rotation anytime soon. Did you have to go Ted Williams comp on the Juan Soto thing and trigger? <laughs> Only him? because we went off about it on the show this morning. So <laughs> Juan Soto's a great player. Ted he Williams is, is one no of the top 25 players of all time. Ted Williams had a 344 batting average over 19 seasons. Yeah. Ted Williams had a 492 on base percentage over 19 seasons. Ted Williams missed three plus years of his prime fighting in a fighter pilot jet <laughs> overseas in World War II, trying to win for us capitalists, America. <laughs> Are you kidding me? How and I love Juan Soto. He's had two seasons where he's batted over 300 of his seven plus seasons. Pump yeah. the brakes. <laughs> All right. So the, the last thing uh, I want to get into on whether it's stupid and it works is the line change. Now, the down, now we all know that late in the games, Kapler loves to bring in his pinch hitters. The Giants do lead the league in pinch hitting again this year. They've been basically leading the league in pinch hitting the last three years. Uh, the downside of having so many guys come in late is that it can deplete your bench. Yeah. And so if the game goes extra innings, that can kind of create its own special sort of headaches. There's a couple times in 2021, I don't remember specifics, but I do remember there were times where, you know, it's the 11th, 12th, 13th inning, and you're just like, oh my God, we have no one left. How, do we, how are we in this position? It's because the line, what they call the line change. Now, as frustrating as it could be, Shasky, ever since the Giants got their full healthy lineup a couple weeks ago, they've rattled off six wins in which they were trailing in the sixth inning or later. So a couple numbers for you. Slater's been awesome in that period. Slater's been great. He had, what was it? It was uh, the the first win uh, in Colorado. They brought him off the bench to face the lefty. It's the double kick starts the rally. That's why they do the line change. Now in the sixth inning, the giants have a 739 on base uh, plus slugging OPS. That's ninth in baseball in the seventh inning. They have a 795 OPS. That's wow. fifth in baseball. In the eighth inning, it goes up to seven. It's a 768 OPS. That's sixth in baseball. And in the ninth inning, they have a 790 OPS, which is fourth in baseball. Wow. Shasky, do you know? Can you th- try to take a guess? How many other teams do you think can say are in the top ten in OPS in the last four innings of a baseball game? I don't know four. No, none of them. Only the Giants. <laughs> the Giants are the only team that could say that they are the top ten of OPS. Wow. Uh, in the last wow. four innings scoring wow. they're they're 10th in scoring in the sixth inning sixth in the seventh inning 13th in the eighth and they're second in scoring in the ninth inning wow they are in the last uh three innings overall they're scoring on average 1.68 runs per game in those last three innings only the diamondbacks and dodgers have done better wow. so it's clearly obvious the line changes they may seem stupid they may seem frustrating are they working I think they are working. Clearly the data is telling you it's working. And then look at the win loss record. And, mm-hmm. and I look at, it's not just offensively to me. They've made timely defensive substitutions as well. Bringing Schmidt into play shortstop late in games using his arm. Cause his arm is dynamic right now. Like I, I think they're firing on all cylinders and it shows you why like right now they've got some injuries. It could maybe hamper them and it hasn't hurt them yet. And I'm just kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off when it comes to the, to the pitching, but it, like Hanager out, they're better defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really haven't noticed Hanager's absence at all, really, have you? Like, no. it, it's you'd think a guy like that, Luna's going to trip the lineup, and him and Wilmer Flores, too, another guy who out of the lineup, I don't like those two guys. I don't think the lineup's going to lose all that much of a, of, of a step with those two guys out. And again, Chassis, 
they are the Giants this year are eight and nineteen, I believe, when wow. trailing after six innings. Six of those wins have come in the last two weeks. And wow. again, I don't think it's a coincidence wow. that when they finally had their fully healthy lineup together, which they didn't have until they went to Colorado a couple weeks ago, they're all of a sudden rattling off these comeback wins. Yeah. Now, are they going to be rattling off you know six comeback wins every fourteen days? Probably not. But I think it's official. The Giants late in games like. They're a big threat. I'm watching the game last night. They're down 4 nothing in the sixth inning. I'm talking with Bonte. You know, we're doing our show call. And I'm like, oh, hey, Yaz just hit a home run. It's like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And I said to him, watch. These guys are going to win this game. Like, the Giants are going to come back, and they're going to win this game. And we're going to stay up and watch the whole thing, and we're going to be going nuts about it. He's like, yeah, you're probably right. Lo and behold, that's what they do. Like, I never thought I'd be in a position. I was like, yeah, I think they'll come back here. And then they did. Like, that's where we're at but right that now. was the hallmark of 2021. It really was, and that's kind of what's given this season, I think, all of a sudden a 2021 feel. When they had, like, 2021, they were pretty healthy most of the year. Outside of Brandon Belt, the Giants had really good injury luck, from what I recall. I don't think anyone, any major, like, names in that lineup were missing a ton of time. And the comeback was a huge part of that season. When the Giants have their full complement of weapons, they are very dangerous late in games because of the way they play the matchups. They love playing those matchups, and it makes life very, very difficult for opposing teams. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and I feel like Kapler really has his guys ready to go when he calls their number. So it feels like they're clearly ahead of the game in the middle innings before a guy even gets called on. Don't they always feel like they're prepared to contribute? Absolutely. And I think that's part of that. Give a shout out to Gabe Kapler for having in this coaching staff for having these guys prepared. Yes. Jesse, their big thing is it's always communication. They're always big on communicating with their players during the season, in the offseason. You ask these players, what's the big thing about this coaching staff? And it's all about how they communicate with you. Yep. This coaching staff, they really have these guys so over prepared. And Kapler, he knows when to go to these guys. Yeah. And credit him for putting the guys in position to succeed, which I really don't think they really had that option to do that last year. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lovin and show Joe Shasky coming at you every week with all the best Giants content that you need. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share, all that stuff. Keep listening because we're going to keep coming at you with all this Giants content. So uh, got some uh, short hops, I guess we can call it, some concerning short hops here. Basically, we're going to play the concern game. Uh, in this last segment here before we get out of here. Uh, and I just kind of want your overall concern level on some of these chassis. You can do like a one to five scale or just define it however okay. you want to. First thing I want to get into, Casey Schmidt. Uh, since May 29th, it was a 14-4 win over the Pirates. That was the last time that he finished with a higher batting average that evening than he woke up with that morning. He woke up with a 324 uh, average that morning, went to bed with a 342 average that night. Since then, he's hitting 190 with a 497 OPS, a 250 Babbitt, which maybe there's a little bit of positive regression in his future. 15 strikeouts. He did get that one walk last night, though. It was a big one walk. Um, it's just it's been a struggle. It's been a grind for Schmidt at the plate. We all know about the chasing. We all know about his aggression. We've spoken ad nauseum about what the Giants are trying to do to kind of rein that in. Shasky, I'm kind of curious right now. What is your concern level with the struggles of Casey Schmidt? It's a lot higher than I want to admit, especially when I look at his plate discipline yesterday. It was huge that he got that walk. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. And I know a lot of people are going to say, uh, you know, his discipline has been horrific since he came up. It has, he's a free swinger. I don't expect everyone to approach their at bat the way Lamont Wade does. 
I, I do think that it's good when you're facing pitching, uh, real pitching, not just a pitching machine, to have diversity of hitters. It keeps the pitcher guessing. You know, when you have Pablo Sandoval and then immediately after him, you had Buster Posey, there was something to that. Right. One guy could hit any bad pitch from from toes up to above the head. And the next guy, you better come into the zone. Right. So I'm a big believer in diversity. Would I like him to draw a few more walks? It's undeniable. I mean, it's yeah. undeniable. But then he gives a big hit on Friday, like Friday night, for example, or, or Sunday. He comes through with a big hit like so it, it's it goes both ways. But I am a little worried and I don't want to admit it because I do want to see his back continue to improve. Yeah, it is concerning. I'm a little, I'm, I, my concern, if I were to put it on a scale one to five, I'd put it like a three. Okay. Uh, because he's not hitting the ball as hard as he used to either. Yeah. So, hard hit contact in baseball is defined as anything that has an exit velocity off the bat of 95 miles per hour or more. In his first 19 games, he had 23 hard hit balls. And 14 games since then, only 14 hard hit balls. Ooh. So it's just the, the contact is kind of going down. That's interesting. Two things that kind of give me hope for him going forward. Okay. One, the defense is still there. The defense, okay. he's not letting the slumps at the plate influence what he does on defense. Maybe there's like a mental error here or there. You know, he tries to go for a ground ball that maybe Crawford should have gone through, gone for, or a wild throw. Okay. Lots of defenders have that. And the other thing is the Giants. This organization really values guys who have a command of the strike zone. They yeah. love Lamont Wade Jr. because he literally has like a, probably a bionic eye that tells him what's a ball and a strike almost. So the Giants love guys who have command of the strike zone. Casey Schmidt doesn't seem to really have that command of the strike zone because he keeps chasing balls. Teams are really going low and away on him lately because they know he'll chase out there. Mm -hmm. But they're still keeping him on the big league roster, which means they clearly believe in him enough to where – they're going to deal with these growing pains. Yes. Because they just, they, and, and Kapler's talked about this a lot. He has on numerous times voiced support for Casey Schmidt. He almost gets annoyed sometimes when you ask him about it. He's like, you know, oh, I said this already, but I'll say it again, as I always like to reiterate. Uh. So the organization clearly believes in Casey Schmidt that he'll break out of this. He's being able to make adjustments at every level when need be. And for a team that's so obsessive about having a, 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 a a beat on the strike zone and they're not really sending Casey Schmidt down to get a better beat on the strike zone. I think that's a positive in that, you know what, if, if they're willing to ride things out with Casey Schmidt, I'm willing to as well. I agree. Hopefully he kind of comes around soon though, because it's, it's getting yeah. to the point where you're not seeing him in the lineup as often. And I like seeing this dude play because I, when, when he's playing, you know, he's going to be in a good place when he's, fun guy to chat with he's got a fun personality and i do think the more we see casey schmidt the more giants fans are really going to start to fall in love with him yeah i'm with you on that one and i just feel like he's really close to really sustaining like the glove is clearly there the arm is there all those things are there but god i just want to see him have another couple weeks stretch that to me would solidify like okay he adjusted from the teams and the league adjusting to him yeah I think he can do it. It might be a bit of a process, but again, he's a rookie, I guess. Yes. You know, but you ask some Giants fans, he's the first rookie ever in baseball history to have growing pains in the middle of a season. So uh, unfair. Moving on, the uh, the Giants at home. Back home after a 6-0 and road trip, uh, our own John Dickinson, super reporter, boots on the ground, was at Oracle Park last night. And before the game, he asked Gabe Kapler, you know, about the struggles at home. And this is what Kapler had to say. We love playing at home and we love playing in this ballpark. And um, we're excited to be back off the road and, and get ready to play in front of our home fans. I think sometimes we 
read a little bit too much into home road splits as as major league baseball teams. Um, you know, particularly when we have a lot of advantages here at home, right? Like probably most importantly, hitting hitting last in any game. I guess all of this is to say that I I understand why you're asking the question. I also personally wouldn't read too much into um, records at, at this point for, for home and road. So Shasti, really quick, by month in April, the Giants were seven and seven. They were nine and six at home in May. And after last night's win, they are three and four at uh, Oracle Park in June. Are you at all concerned about the Giants uh, in their ability to win games at home right now? No, it feels like it's just a matter of time. And I also feel like a lot of that was built up at the beginning of the year. I don't have the numbers to back that, but it just it I'm not worried if I'm being totally honest. I'm just not. And maybe maybe I should be. Well, Shasky, it's funny that you say you don't have the numbers to back that because I do have the numbers to back that. Yeah. So in April, Giants were not a very good team on at home or on the road. They hit 240 at home in April. In May, they started to pick things up. They hit 265 at home in in May. Here in June, it's kind of been a bit of a slower start. They had the Orioles the first series and then that absolute dud of a series against the Cubs when they were coming back from Coors Field. They're hitting only 228 uh, in uh, June right now. That doesn't include last night, though. So they're probably that's be a little bit better. Overall, they're hitting 247 at home with an OPS of 713. Uh-huh. The league average is 252 with a 743 OPS. So the Giants, overall, they are below hitting below average at home. But two things: one is. The slow start in April absolutely factors into that. I think we can all agree that this is not the same Giants team now as we saw in April. Yes. And two, Shassi, what, it's been 24 years at Oracle Park? How many yes. times have we ever said, man, the Giants sure hit well at Oracle Park this year? <laughs> like, they never hit well at this it's ballpark. Such it's a good point. ballpark. <laughs> such a good point. I, I'm just, man, I'm having so much fun. I don't have time to really worry. Like, I really no. don't. I'm, there's so many great stories on this team. It feels like they're outperforming on a variety of levels. Anybody that's losing their mind about road home splits. Come on, man. Think about where we thought this team was going to be after they're the still pitching really well at home though. Like that's exactly. the thing. again, a tough exactly. April. They were four forty-three uh, exactly. ERA in April. Again, April sucked for pretend April never happened. Three, a three fifty-three ERA in May. They're getting better. And they have a three ERA in June so far against the Orioles, Cubs. And again, that does not include last night's start against the Padres. But that was a win. And that's what we're talking about is their ability to win at home. I'm not concerned about the home record either. They are better on the road than at home. That much is undeniable. But again, the last 24 years, that's basically been kind of the status quo for Giants baseball. It's a hit. It is a pitcher's ballpark. And you know what? They're pitching really, really well at Oracle Park. And they're finding a way to wins, finding a way to get wins at Oracle Park in part because of the pitching. And that has always been the formula ever since the Giants Agreed. moved to the ballpark. So, no, I'm not really that. I'm not concerned that much about uh, the hitting at home either. Last thing I want to kind of get your concern level on here. It's the walking wounded. You've heard of the walking dead. We got the walking wounded here on the Giants. Here's a list of all the Giants who are hurt in some way. Alex Cobb has a left oblique strain. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. 
Uh, Schmidt, obviously, he was hitting last night, but he got hit uh, by a pitch on the right elbow on Saturday night. He was day-to-day. Scott Alexander's out with a hamstring injury. Mm. John Brebbia with the lat strain could be out for one to two months. Mitch Hanniger, we might not see him till September, if at all. Wilmer Flores has a broken foot. Ross Stripling has a back strain. He's dating rehab starts in Arizona. How concerned are you about the health of this team right now? I'm very concerned, and it starts with the starting pitching. I, mm-hmm. I'm not so much worried about some of the everyday players. To me, it's the starting pitching. If they uh, cannot get some of these guys back, like an average oblique time that you're out for someone like Alex Cobb is a month, mm-hmm. and for pitchers, sometimes more than that. And so I'm very worried about him being ready to go and coming back and, and, and being a contributor for this year. Like They need him. He's been their second-best pitcher. He they need him has. right now. He was he's in a he was in a borderline all star conversation probably before he went down. I mean I know you're concerned about Cobb. John Brevia's absence is what worries me the most. So because what we were saying a little bit earlier and the the role he plays as the opener in you know six seven starts as the opener he's only allowed a small handful of runs. He's been very efficient with how he gets through those innings. Uh, There was the the start against the Cubs. I believe it was that Saturday start when they got that one hit where. You know, Kapler before the game kind of joked, you know, if he, Brevia could, you know, throw you know seven innings and 17 pitches, we'd let him do that. <laughs> Brevia went 19 pitches that day and over two innings. And obviously the goal is always for him to kind of get that second inning, but it's always kind of a, let's see how that first inning goes. Yes. And Brevia has been really good at getting through the first inning really clean and getting into that second inning, which in a bullpen game, the more innings, you, if you can get that extra inning from Brevia, that really helps the rest of the game. It does. Scott Alexander was the only other opener aside from Ryan Walker. He'll be back a little bit sooner, but losing Brebbia really, I think that's a that's a tough blow because even when he's not the opener, he's still one of the Giants' most reliable and durable relievers. So that is 100%. an absence that you cannot overlook. Before we get out of here, Shasky, uh, our final thought here. Some news broke on uh, on my drive home. The Cincinnati Reds, announced that they were releasing Will Myers, who is a noted giant killer. Here are his numbers at Oracle Park. 273, 349 on base, 517 slugging, and 866 OPS. It's the third highest OPS, minimum of 50 plate appearances, he has at any ballpark. He's hit 11 home runs at Oracle Park, his fourth best of all other ballparks. By the way, the uh, two stadiums that he has a higher OPS in, Coors Field, Chase Field, Giants play a lot of games there. Chasky, I know we're, I feel like we're kind of beyond the whole taking a flyer on random guys. Will Myers has always been a guy where it's just like, oh, I hate it when he comes to the play. Why can't he just be a giant? Would you take a flyer on Will Myers? Pass. Yeah. They've got enough outfielders. I want to see what they've got in Matos. I want to see, you know, what they've got going when it comes to uh, McCrary at some point, Vaughn Brown at some point. Like, I want to see those guys before I want to see Will Myers. Will Myers just doesn't do it for me. Two years ago, probably I'd be all over this. Oh, a year ago. But, yeah, even a year ago. But it, I think that kind of is a testament to where things are exactly. at right now. Will I agree Myers is the guy who would absolutely fit in in this ballpark, apparently. And he can go on the market. He would be a vet minimum. He'd only be taking up space. And we're just like, eh, eh. I don't think we need him. And hopefully, I mean, if the Giants do pick him up, I won't, it won't be like a Matt Beatty situation where we're losing our minds over it. I would be okay with it. But at the same time, yeah, Giants are in a position where, and I think this shows that the growth that you're seeing in this organization right now under Farhan, where you don't need to take flyers on these random guys hitting the yes. market anymore. 
totally and agree. That just shows the positive direction that this organization is in. So thank you very much for joining us this week on or this on this episode of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Giants hope to make it nine in a row tonight against the Padres on a City Connect Tuesday night. I'm repping my City Connect gear today. I had the shirt, hat, socks, lanyard. I went all City Connect today. So uh, for Sam Lemon and Joe Shasky, it's the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. We will catch you on the next one.